0: This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream.
1: Shake that thing chorejal baby do that little little chunk truckin baby yeah like how you're truckin baby give me some
2: of that truckin baby
0: shake, 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 shake. well that was shake that thing by tin pan band and uh, if you're a new listener to this show I will tell you that I discovered, I didn't discover that band. I mean, they would already were a band and doing things. But I was walking along by myself, minding my own business in Central Park, right around this time of year, two years ago, and there was this fantastic music being played up the promenade a bit, you know, when you walk towards the big band shell, and there was this seven-piece band playing. They were all in like 1940s outfits and horns and they were up on benches and just making a racket and people were dancing around them. And and it was just captivating. And uh, I said to them, hey, do you have a CD? I'd love to play you on my show. And I've been playing them since day one. Once again, Tin Pan Band, Shake That Thing. They probably got a new album out that I should probably check out. This one was from two years ago. Welcome everyone. Welcome to the show. It's, uh, April 11th. Beautiful, beautiful day here in Southern California. I'm just watching the Phoebe bird right now take flight. She's got a little nest going on over the light, uh, outside my studio here. And, uh, she's been with her mate. Uh, they were, they were, they were repairing the nest from last year to begin with. And now, uh, she is sitting actively on the eggs. And, but there's a lot of doings in the backyard. I've got the Phoebe's going on. I got the butterflies happening. There's hummingbirds. The coral tree is turning into a, a Dr. Seuss project. I'll take a picture of it and show it to you guys, uh, today sometime during the show. The wisteria is, uh, the leaves are coming out. There's still flowers there. And of course the jasmine has gone insane. The jasmine has gone insane. <sighs> Hi, everyone. You know, it's spring when uh, it's the weekend of the Masters. That's a golf tournament for you people who don't know. And the Spring Classics are happening in cycling. These are the day-long, amazing races that happen in Europe. Uh, uh, Paris-Roubaix, Paris-Nice, a bunch of them in uh, the Netherlands that I can never pronounce, like Flesch-Melange, Flesch-Dudon, blah, blah. and uh for me it's like you know everyone kind of tracks their year through their own sports there's baseball people know it's spring because there's spring training I do not ta- I mean I know about baseball but I do not watch the baseball Then there's football you know it's coming around and you know the fall you know August of pre-games and all of that kind of stuff Me I know spring has happened because the Masters are playing this weekend and I was laughing about this because here I am the really the sports I watch are golf and cycling; those are my two main sports. And um, and I was thinking about how funny that is because of um, how my dad. Had, I think is it was second to last show, or it was his last show actually, where he comes out and he says, "You know, fuck Lance Armstrong." And while we're at it, fuck Tiger Woods. And um, and there are the sports right there: cycling and golf. And and it's kind of fitting today because I was just on Twitter. And watched Roseanne Cash having, um, making some comments about some Twitter followers who were using her father's, you know, using her father against her as some sort of moral high ground. And I get this a lot too. And I said to, I said to her right away on Twitter, like, girl, I so get you right now because I will get people like, you watch golf. Your father said, fuck Tiger Woods. And, you know, your dad did that whole thing about golf and everything. And I'm like, Oh, really, people, this is this is what you're doing with your day. Like my father had no capacity to separate his amazing theatrical stage persona and routine about golf or about Tiger Woods or the point he was even making about those things with uh, my own personal desire to go on a public course and play some golf and admire people at the top of their game. And yes, of course I use it for napping. I mean, who doesn't? This is really what golf on TV is about. But the Masters is golf porn. I mean, you got to know that, right? Golf fucking porn. Anyway, we've got a great show today. I'm going to read an essay here in a little bit, in a few minutes. Uh, I have a half hour pre-recorded interview, not really an interview. It's really was a conversation with the fabulous, funny, insightful and uh fully uh, self-admitting uh, um neurotic and lamotte i mean just just she's just so great and um we have a great chat and then after that i'm going to open i'm going to open the phone line i'm going to open the skype line the bat the bat phone will be open, the Skype phone will be open, and the number for that will be 323-473-3112, but we're not getting to that for a while, so people do not call the Skype number because it will just sit here and ring on our screen, and we will look at it ringing, and we will think, oh, you poor sap, you are calling like 40 minutes early. What are you doing? Sometime after 545, 845 on the East Coast, that Skype thing will be open, and we'll be taking calls, and really call with anything, questions, comments. Have you figured out how to deal with the budget and the sequester? How, do, do you know how to use free fuel? I mean, have you created some sort of free fuel? Uh, do you have a great joke or a story to tell? Um, do you just need a little coaching? I can, you know, you know, I can do that. I can coach you through anything. Uh, love to hear from you. You can ask me questions, but you know, let's not ask all just, you know, dad questions. Let's get a little more creative than that, people. A couple of dad questions are fine, but I really don't want to spend 45 minutes of my day answering dad questions. I mean, I love the guy. I do. But uh, you know, after a while. So, uh, once again the number will be 323-473-3112 when we get to that. But first, I'm excited. I wrote I started to write an essay this morning and it was It was a little depressing, I do have to admit. This is kind of a difficult time of year for me. This is a spring, and most people think spring is like all happy and butterflies and hummingbirds, and there are plenty of that too. But this was like, you know, the the season of my parents' death. So not really fun. Uh, But, you know, that'll be another essay, and I'll work on that and it'll get better. But here's what the cool thing was I started going through my old essay file, which I call Essays, Starts, Ideas, etc., which I know I'm bringing up the dad thing again, but he'd be really proud of the name of that file, because that's the kind of filing system he had. And I had this essay in there that I had written five years ago, before I even started this show, when this show was just a glimmer of an idea in my head, and I hadn't even really shaped it yet. And I read it, and I'm like, fuck, man, I'm going to read this today. So, uh, And I and I did update it so that it is current. Uh, so here we go. I'm going to call it pioneer women. Pioneer women, I see pictures of them in their dresses on an empty prairie with nothing around them but a small house, maybe made of log or adobe, and I am immediately fascinated. In my very modern life, I cannot imagine the know-how, courage, and acceptance these women had. They just did what needed to be done. No questions, no neurosis, no narcissistic meanderings. They got on the wagon, fed the kids, planted the wheat, scraped together meals, endured the winters and the summers, and built this nation. And they did all of this while still being the soft shoulders for their crying kids and peaceful hearts for their men without electricity, indoor plumbing, or air conditioning. One of the ways I worry about the future is I imagine one where our fragile American infrastructure has collapsed and we must fend for ourselves. I worry that I will not have the fortitude or patience or perseverance that my pioneering ancestors had, and that I will shrivel into a helpless ball or self-pity instead of doing what needs to be done. I fear that this life of technology, convenience, and satellite TV has ruined me forever and ever. I have become a useless human a cul-de-sac of the species. But then I remember back 16 years ago when I learned something about myself. My pioneering DNA lives in me even now, and that I too know how to do what needs to be done. 16 years ago, my mother was dying. She was disintegrating right before my eyes, and it happened too quickly. In March, she had been the mom I had always known. Not the picture of health. Her fibromyalgia and hepatitis C had robbed her of some of her vitality and stamina. But she was bright-eyed, generous, and full of her sparkle. She was Brenda with her big laugh, mischievous grin, and overly indulgent appetite for cheeseburgers and shoes. Then, By the first week of May, 16 years ago, she was lying. She was living with the reality of inoperable, highly aggressive liver cancer and struggling to endure the chemo that was robbing her of what little life she had left. I felt like I had been dropped into the wide open plains of Wyoming with little more than a vague idea of how to survive there. All that was familiar to me was gone. The landscape was harsh and unfamiliar, my daily tasks were not that of focusing on myself and what I needed, but on how to survive the pain and terror that enveloped us all now. When I was young, I did not know my grandma Alice. She was from the Cook family who had settled in Ohio in the early 1800s. Her ancestors were pioneers in the Ohio Valley region. Alice had died six weeks before I was born from cancer. I don't have many positive images of Alice. My mom had not resolved much of the pain she had about their relationship, but there was one of her taking in people's laundry for extra money and wringing the clothes out with her bare hands. My mom would paint the picture of Alice with her sleeves rolled up and her arms full of taut muscle that only comes from hard physical labor. I imagined this woman of strength and fortitude doing what had to be done. And so during those weeks of my mom's disintegration, I got to meet the one inside of me that naturally knows how to do what needs to be done. There was not much time for self-pity, although I surely felt it. There just was, okay, now what is next? What What? What? What must we face, do, step toward, no matter how unpleasant, terrifying, and impossible it seems? The circumstances were more important than one's thoughts and feelings about them. The harsh reality of what was, was in charge. Sixteen years later, I can still feel that stirring of determination in my being that enabled me to walk through those hardest weeks of my life and and even thought, I have no pressing reason to exercise it. I I do know it is there if I need it. You know, in case all hell breaks loose and we all flee to the desert woods or hills to survive, I know that I could learn to cook with fire, eat what I can grow and kill and be the soft shoulder, the peaceful heart, and the pioneer of the times, if it comes to that. But here's the rub. I know that there is something calling me to engage, enact, and turn on this pioneer spirit within me without waiting for circumstance to demand it of me. I know that what this time in our human history is calling for is for me to be proactive and step forward to pioneer within the constraints of comfort. It is not pioneering of the land that is calling me forward. It is the pioneering of the heart and mind of America. It is the daring act of going forth into unsettled territory, unknown regions of our potential, and laying claim to it staking a new territory, and creating something from whatever we meet there. It is as unknown in our minds as what the land of America or the land of the West would have been to our ancestors. There is no way to fully prepare for the adventure except to bring the tools and provisions that we think we need, and to step into the future with a sense of possibility, scrappy inventiveness, and the willingness to do what is that needs to be done next. As I sit with all of this and look at what it is that I have created with this show, Waking from the American Dream, I want to laugh at first. On the outside, my wanting to awaken from the dream seems such an opposite to this pioneering spirit of these women. I mean, they were willing to give up their comfort and lives for the American dream. And here I am now saying that we've got it all wrong and that we need to wake up from it. But that is just surface noise, really. Because what my vision calls for is not about destroying anything. It's about reassessment, reevaluating, and reimagining. It is about our acknowledging that we have done well by our pioneering ancestors. Very well indeed. In fact, too well, it seems. We have done so well that we have now tipped the scales toward a collapsing of it all. These brave women created a solid foundation, and we went kind of crazy with it. We've gotten lazy and soft, and well, can't you see the scowls on their face right now? We have not done what has needed to be done as we went along in this big American dream. We have not taken care of all that needed to be taken care of as we moved forward each step. Some of what we needed to have done got pushed aside and delayed for another day, while most of what needed to be done wasn't recognized in the moment because, well, we wouldn't know about it until the future. We didn't even see the consequences of it all. But now we do. And now we must do what needs to be done.
3: Yard and if you want booze in it, yo, I ain't gonna card Cause I'm so fly, I'm fly as can be And I don't care about your anniversary Or that you're gluten-free and you have allergies I just farted on your kids' macaroni and cheese, beer smoke break you say you want dessert but yo you're gonna have to wait beside your fat ass don't need any more cheesecake you know what i'm done i'm going home gonna get me a fresh bag with tips and get stoned just a day in the life of a waitress like me putting it down for all my homies in the serving industry because i'm a gangster waitress we don't sing no birthday song i'm a gangster waitress And tip. yeah that's right carly and donnie here yo carly you ready to cash out and bounce you know it girl shit i ain't splitting my tips with nobody Ooh, that's how we roll orders up bitches we out c and d check please what word
0: word Word, bitches. That's Carly and Donnie uh, with Gangsta Waitress. Uh you gotta check these chicks out. They're just fucking awesome. As Logan just said, they are pioneer women. Uh they're hysterical. It's Carly C A R L I E and Donnie D O N I. Check them out. They're all over the internet. They got a they got a goddamn website. They're going to colleges all over this goddamn nation, people. This nation they're going all around and doing their funny stuff. Um, They're just, uh, they're fantastic. And they're darling sweet girls too, believe it or not. Even though they say that potty language stuff in their songs, they're very darling girls. Suddenly I'm turned into my Joan Rivers. Uh, So anyway, next up is my chat with Miss Anne Lamott this morning. Okay, do you know who Anne Lamott is? No, you don't. What are you, crazy? What are you fucking, you know? We don't say that word anymore, but I almost did. La, la, la. Anne is an author. She's known for her novels, which uh, some of them I loved so much Blue Shoe and Crooked Little Heart. Oh, please, please, please read those novels. Uh, And, um, but really what she's known for is her nonfiction work Operating Instructions. She wrote about the first year of being a mother. Uh, Bird by Bird is an amazing book for writers. If you are a writer and you have, do not have Bird by Bird on your shelf, you should be ashamed because literally, this woman that that book taught me how to trust myself enough to write. She's a very human writer, she's very funny. She's, uh, she's definitely admittedly a little prickly in real life, too. Um, but her new book is, uh, she's got a couple of new books up. One's called Some Assembly Required, a journal of my son's first son. Her son, which she wrote about in Operating Instructions, turned 19 and had a baby. So she wrote a book with him about being a grandma. And, uh, so her book was coming out in paperback this week. So she's doing the full round of everything. And she's so cool. Um, she sat down with me for a half hour. So, uh, this is my interview here with uh, Miss Anne Lamott uh, that I did uh, at the crack of ass, Dawn, this morning here, uh, recorded it out here in the studio. Enjoy. Awesome. Hold on. Thank you. Anne, you can say hi to Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Or, uh, yeah, good morning, Anne. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm up early. It's 8 a.m. here in L.A.
4: Yeah, I'm in Philadelphia. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's 11 here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. And
0: um, how are you doing? I know you've been doing this for a few hours, so uh, how are you holding up?
4: That's okay, I'm fine. I had my birthday yesterday at the Philadelphia Free Library, which to me is about as good as life gets.
0: (laughs) Yes, I was going to say, happy belated birthday to you. Thank
4: you. Yep, yep.
0: Beautiful. And I... um, I am entering my um fifth decade in June. Oh, yes. I'm turning wow. I'm turning fifty and uh You're
4: so young. <laughs> You're so young and adorable. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. You are. You seriously are. I yeah, and I'm like
0: hitting that. You know, I really age doesn't bother me normally, but it's like fifty? Really? How the
4: fuck did I this know. happen? <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. I was 59 yesterday. I thought I was going to be 37. <laughs> yes.
0: I didn't know. Yeah. You know, for years and years, I felt 18. And then just just lately, I feel like, okay, I'm I'm in my 30s, which means like I'm feeling uh-huh. like I'm functioning finally as an adult uh-huh. in some way. <laughs> uh-huh. But I think that's about it. I don't think you leave your 30s at any point. Uh, I hope not, at yeah. least.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so, um, obviously your, your book, Some Assembly Required, well, your, and Sam's book, Uh, Some Assembly Required is, that's why you're here on the book tour and, and talking about stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I was thinking about, it. I was doing the math and so Jack's will be four this year.
4: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He'll be four in July.
0: Wow. <laughs> Isn't
4: that wild?
0: That is crazy.
4: <laughs> yeah. And, and Sam will be four, uh, Sam will be four, Sam will be 24 in August, which I think sounds like a really dad sort of age, unlike 19 when he first had the baby.
0: Uh, Agreed. Agreed. 24 (laughs) is, you know, actually was the age my my dad was when my parents had me, which even nowadays is young. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, people are having babies at 45. So Uh (laughs) it's crazy. So (laughs) I I was um, curious. What is it about Sam these days that really surprises you?
4: Well, I'll tell you one thing that surprises me is he sold his first work of art at a real gallery on Friday.
3: Wow. And
4: um, so now I know I'm going to become known as Sam Lamott's mother, (laughs) which is fine with me. I'm happy to turn over the mantle. But, um, you know, everything does. Do you have, I forgot, do you have kids? I don't.
0: I have two dogs.
4: I have two dogs. Well, with kids, what happens is that from about 15 on, they're they're so um, deeply and kind of grossly teenagers that some of them are very mature at 21, 22, but their their neo their frontal cortexes haven't fully developed. The, this tiny little part of the brain that that um, completely controls judgment. So <laughs> to be without it is um, significant, and you start to watch this fill in. You start to watch your Kid go from being kind of teenagery and having certain knee jerk rebellion needs, which I certainly had um to becoming a person of sound judgment and the last year or so it's been a really extreme um difference in him, and I love that, mm. and we're very close and but but all children are just find their parents mortifying yes. a complete <laughs> embarrassment, so that doesn't change i mean even just your your pants. Let alone your entire being. <laughs> so um, he's he's just a very very steady dad now, oh. and he um, is a um, he's just a, becoming a more and more gifted artist. He's working half time for a design firm, and he's going to school half time, and he's a dad half time. So you know, yes. it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, what kind of art does he do? He's a graphic designer. Oh. He's really an inventor. If you read. Like traveling mercies or plan B all through those years. He was just making stuff out of little bits of, of discarded. Stuff you know, like paper clips and and uh, uh-huh. cigarette wrappers uh-huh. and cigarette boxes and and bits of broken pottery and and broken toys from McDonald's, like a tiny little head from some <laughs> alien. And if you gave him a nine volt battery, he could make it move. <laughs> wow. So he's been doing that all along, and now mm. he's doing it sort of with an eye to making money off of it. Oh,
0: fantastic! That's yeah. A-
4: he really has a gift. I mean, I'm all words all the time. I'm just a ticker tape of gloves and images and and uh, solu- literary solutions and da da da. And he's he's very smart and articulate, but his gift is in his hands. Mm. You know, he's got this spacious uh, this spatial intelligence and um, where he can imagine things that don't show. He can imagine the bottom of the pyramid that's not showing. He can work with it mm. and he can design as a result of something he can't even see. Whereas. I'm still drawing stick figures for people, you know. <laughs> yes, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with
0: it. No, of, co- of course not. Of course not. <laughs> we we, each, we we each have our things to bring to, to the world, and and yes, we do. drawing yes, people is not mine. <laughs> no,
4: me either.
0: Uh, yeah, and and since um, you know, obviously, it's been a few years since you wrote this book. I, oh, one thing I've noticed too—a little bit of like—I've been seeing Sam showing up. A little bit on the Twitter feed and some of the things you've been retweeting and and places like that and and some of the things he comes up with are really, really profound and amazing I know.
3: Uh,
0: and I, I know but yeah, and I'm like beaming with pride for you, you know, like oh. wow, you did it, you
4: did it, you raised a human <laughs> I know, but you know he always said this strange spiritual. Trippy stuff. I mean, ever since I started recording him in Traveling Mercies, he's been, or even in Bird by Bird, mm-hmm. he's been saying very interesting and very odd, <laughs> mature stuff, but with a child's voice. And so, um, yeah, he, he it's uh, amazing. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And he, he always will tweet something and he'll write to me, retweet, retweet. <laughs> so, you know, I don't want to cross him. <laughs> so I always retweet his stuff, and sometimes
0: it's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and speaking of Twitter and and Facebook, uh, it you know it's such a new world out there. Are, are you know, and then you're going out on a book tour, and you're obviously you know encountering your fans and your readers, and 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 now it's like a different level. You know, there's like a there's the intimacy with what you write already, which I feel like you know, because of the way you write and the way you expose yourself. Um, you know, when I'm reading you, I like, I feel like I know you. And then there's the social media thing, which even adds another layer of like, you know, intimacy or familiar familiarity with people. How are you dealing with that? And and how do you deal with that in general when you're out and, and you meet fans or readers? Do you, do you have does it feel like sometimes boundaries are being crossed? Or?
4: Well, I'm really a fanatic about um, not having that be an issue. So I write about 10% of the stuff that happens to me. Mm. The stuff that I write about myself and definitely my family is like several rings, concentric rings out from the bullseye. Mm. So just like with you, you know, you're very intimate and right there on your show. And then you're talking to two or three people about the real stuff. Yeah. um, the stuff I write about is um, stuff I just can assume is universal mm-hmm. and that people will find funny because it captures something that they already um, are trying to articulate. But, you know, you tell you tell two, three people your real stuff. Yeah, and, um, yeah. So people think, oh, you're so honest, are you, are you so revealing and stuff? And I think, well, what do you know? You know, I'm really tense, which you can tell if you're with me, <laughs> and I'm very spiritual, and I... I uh forgot to go to the gym and right. after had Sam and that I um am a little neurotic and I'm highly, highly, highly political and um I'm an activist and, and you know and, and I had a lot of trouble with George Bush and um <laughs> tiny problems around Dick Cheney and but that stuff to me is not intimate at all. It's just that I'm I say stuff out loud that other people um don't are are surprised to find, but i'm so careful mm. about the um about my privacy. I have the most private life I know of mhm yeah. yeah that that that's a great point I
0: like that it's like you know you can one can be revealing of one's kind of process on the page you know in thinking uh-huh. and and in process in and showing our, you know, our inability to, to, to know and to be in the uncertainty and, and how difficult that is uh, without actually revealing the, the, yeah, the stuff that's really like wrenching in our heart today, possibly.
4: Wrenching and troubling and also icky and disgusting. I don't reveal stuff about me that's icky and disgusting. You know, I mean, every so often somebody will, but they're always Republicans, you know, and <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I could care less. But I don't reveal the stuff that scares me about myself. Yeah. And uh, By the time I reveal something, by the time I'm talking about something, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yes. You know, I yes. know that you might laugh because you're surprised that someone said it out loud. But um I know by then that I'm very comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've you've processed it already on a certain level and and can Yeah,
4: I've worked can, with it, yeah. I played with it. Yeah. I I think, "Oh, come on, you everyone does that." <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly,
0: exactly, yeah. It's it's packaged in a way that can be pre- presentable even though it's the messiest version of presentable these days, you know, because yeah. it's not the queen's need- presentable.
4: <laughs> yeah. Presentable and gussied up is not going to help me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, gussied up does not have very much food in it for me, whereas kind of mess and real and um, from love is going to be nutritious and it's going to lift my spirits and it's going to. Be stuff that I want to pass along, but neat and presentable, Ikea is not going to feed me.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's, it's such an important part of, you know, what I feel like I've been put on the planet to do also is kind of like take the mask off and like, like, let's look at it. Let's be human with each other. And I think that's one of the things that like, you know, and I, and I, I'm a political person, too. And and I try to be like, you know, the Buddhist and hold everyone in my heart equally. But, you know, I feel that like the Republicans or people on that side, generally, it's like, I just want them to just bring their humanity forward. and uh-huh. and, and if they could, then maybe we could actually be sitting down and having real conversations again with each other. But uh-huh. I, but I always feel like they're like, you know, slightly trying to be like the parent looking down at us and like, oh, you children, you don't understand anything. I'm I'm the only adult in the room here, or something.
4: Yeah. Well, people are very afraid. People are mostly raised by, um, by a culture certainly, and and many parents and many religious parents that needed their kids to seem to be a certain way, and so everybody got good at pretending to be a a certain we- way and B doing fine. Mm. So. That first um, wall to break down is to say, I'm actually going to err on the side of telling the truth now. I'm actually going to err on the side of real and on feelings, which I was not encouraged by a long shot to share. I'm angry. I'm joyful. I'm blessed. I'm afraid. I hate everything some days. I hate everyone some days. I love, love, love everyone. I feel like the world's mother. I feel like a missionary. I get every thirsty person water, whether it's real (laughs) or metaphoric. And there's just some days I refuse to go out. Yes. You know, And, and for somebody else to say, oh yeah, me too. It's like such a relief, it's like, oh good, we'll have a seat,
0: yeah, yeah, that whole doing fine thing really, yeah, yeah, i you know, I grew up in an uh only child in an alcoholic family, and the doing fine- yeah, the doing fine thing was you know our religion back then. <laughs>
4: Everyone's doing fine because not only um is it all great, but I'm not even seeing it. And I don't even notice the catastrophe of your marriage and your life. So I think I'll go read, though. <laughs> you know, I think I'll go read a little now. Bye. Exactly. But the, one of the hugest things for me to do was to begin noticing what mm. was true and mm. what was real. And to stop letting, especially with men, which is my weak point, stop pretending that the catastrophe Men had made of their families, their children, nuking their children, like we see all these sports people doing now, or mm-hmm. Mark Sanford, or. Chris and Newman were all appalled and shocked by, besides Anthony Weiner, who I forgive because he's a liberal. (laughs) Um, somebody just, that, somebody was just horrifying, but my mind has gone blank. Oh, I don't know. And we said, you never underestimate the degree to which a man will destroy his family to get laid. Mm -hmm. And, um, but Mm -hmm. when you come, when you come forth to be the person you were born to be instead of the person they wish you were or tried to get you to be, then the first thing you do is you start to say, "From now on, I notice what I notice, and i'm going to say it if i choose and and you start to notice that um, you uh are seeing some pretty terrible stuff, and it's it's and we're all doing we all do stuff that really falls short of what we hoped for but yeah. we, uh, but you start to see say so you know it's actually happening also a huge thing for me was to stop agreeing to carry people's Rocks for them in my backpack because I always carry my mom's rocks, her burden, and my dad's rocks. So that you do it because your family won't survive if you don't. Because if you're not carrying the rocks, the family may go under. And, um, and so then you go through life, you could be six years old with a backpack hmm. full of rocks and you're burdened and troubled, you're labeled the overly sensitive child. And then people sort of are, you're shamed for being so burdened. It's like, oh, Annie, come on. Yep. And, um, what's the matter? Oh, lighten that, you know, and it's like, well, I have this backpack full of rocks hmm. and it's digging into my back and I'm scared. It can, it's not supposed to be like this. So, Anyway, I mean, it's so great to start getting well, which it seems like it. I got sober when I was 32, and that was when I really started to grow up and to um, fight tooth and nail Mm. to be me, to Mm. be my true self.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, God, I can really so relate to. The backpack thing, because I was that child, certainly, and 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 people used to say to me, "Lighten up!" And it was like, "You've got to be kidding me." (laughs) Yeah.
4: If you throw your backpack to a rock and they say, "Lighten up!" Yeah. If you only knew, crazy, it's crazy making. It it destroys children and it almost destroys souls and spirits, but those can't be destroyed. But it for me, this being here, which has not been a great match for me to be on Earth. But being here has been about taking the rocks out little by little and um, and saying, you know what? No, thanks. Yes, I used to do that. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. I see what I see and I say what is true. And um, there are really, I think, some other Facebook sites beside mine if mine troubles you. I think there may be other Twitter accounts also. Yes. I saw you actually blocked someone
0: uh, this yeah, week. people
4: all the time I, I, being assholes. I know. I love that. It's yeah. like, you
0: can disagree with me, but don't be an asshat about it. You know, yeah. it's so yeah. true. It's so true. You know, it's interesting. Even at 49, I found like, like with my dad, you know, he's been, he'll be gone five years now this, this year, which is crazy. And, um, But still, I'm finding rocks. Like, I'm like, oh, really? I'm still carrying that one around? I know. You know, it's like like you're going through the, like, old boxes in the attic of your mind or something. And you're like, oh. But,
4: you know, it's not not ridiculous. It's that it was life and death for us when we were really little. And we signed a contract at, like, three or four. Yep. And I always had to be my mother's mother and I was sort of like my father's fiance. I was helped raise both my brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. I was the family priest. I was the one that um, people trusted. Mm. I was one you could, I was a secret keeper, right? So now I'm 59 and I've been doing this for 56 of those years that I'm aware of 54 of them. And um, it's really hard work. It's like most people don't do it. And, why most people live these lives that are very, very small and scared instead of being a little juicier and Wilder and taking, you know, taking bold steps to do something that's way beyond our comfort zones as people pleasers and codependents. But you want the miracle, you want the major spiritual growth and restoration. It's on the other side of the room beyond your comfort (laughs) zone. It's maybe even down the hall where you can't even see around the corner. And that's where the miracle is. You go, Oh, because another thing was we were raised not to make mistakes, right? Yep. And you make decisions and you stick to them and they better damn well be the right. Decision, and um, and I don't make I didn't make mistakes. I was really like a perfect girl, although also an alcoholic perfect girl, <laughs> yes. which meant I had tiny boundary issues with men. But um, you know, I've been such a good girl. I've been such an extremely high achiever. All of this, and instead to say, you know what, I actually don't want this anymore. I've decided to go for the miracle, and mm. the miracle is me. The mm. miracle is union with my own self. The the miracle is deep bosom friendship with my own heart. Hmm. And that's what I'm gonna go for now. So sorry about the rocks, but I wish <laughs> you'd gotten here a couple of years ago, but I don't carry the rocks anymore and I don't pretend not to see what's going on. Sorry. Yeah. Big mix up. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And and really being okay with
0: you know what? I, I I I I'm human, and I'm doing the best I can. And and like you said, you know, there's another Facebook account if you're not interested in this one. Like, right. you, you know, and, and 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 you and I talked last time about you know having fathers who you know influenced us and inspired us, and 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 created a shadow for us, you know, and yeah, and and mine being a little more obvious because of who he was, but you know, really me finding my way too into my humanity in public with people around my father and like, yeah, you know what, sometimes I don't agree with him. He was, he had a lot of great things to say. And he was an incredible thinker and a prophet in some ways. And yet, he was human too. And he he was just a person thinking things out in his own way. And, I've had to forgive myself and and forgive the world for like being upset about that, or, or that, that yeah. I'm different in some way. And, and, and as a, a woman, do you think it's harder for women to really claim their authority in their lives? Do you think the culture just kind of bends us in a way that it makes it more difficult for women that it's like an extra step for us?
4: Well, I wasn't even allowed to be um, a being until the women's movement. You know, mm-hmm. either I was like idol, what's the word? Idolatry. I was uh, kind of yes. fetishized uh-huh. uh, because I was a little child. Mm-hmm. And then I was made to be a perfect student and achiever. And, um, you know, I had this crazy frizzy hair, and the uh, culture said that because I was skinny and small and uh, looked different, that, um, I really was not of that much value because the powerful men were not going to be clustering around me. And then, by well, 15 and the women's movement breaks forth, and the mm. women say, Oh, come this way. We're going to start. We need to talk. <laughs> we're, um, we're doing things now mm. very, very differently than ever before. And we're a little angry and we're very, very sad about what we agreed to. We're very sad about having been pretzelized. And um and we're not gonna do that anymore and it's gonna be scary, it's gonna be weird, and it's gonna make a lot of men and it's gonna make a lot of a certain kind of woman really mad because they're afraid. But walk this way, walk this way. Mm-hmm. And that's when my life began. That is when my salvation began and um since nineteen seventy ish. And um and then I also think that for both you and me, um, having had different degrees of very, very heavy Uh, cherished fathers my father's birthday was um monday Mm. but having had huge fathers it took me forever just to get to be a human being Uh, because our family i was taught we were so different and so superior to even though we were pieces of you know what (laughs) so just for me to get to notice that i was a regular person a human merely being as ee cummings put it and that I was I, was just, I was a human, I was part of a family. I wasn't like a Lamotte that we don't tell our secrets and that we do so much better because we just are so much better. I didn't have to do that. And I will always go there as kind of a default position. And I will always go to people pleasing as a default position. I will always go to thinking I must be the problem because that's how I stayed alive as a child was to think mom and dad, even though they hated each other and there was alcohol, they were fine because that was the only way I had control as a child because mm-hmm. if I was a problem, then I could be fixed or I could become different or I could have less needs or whatever. Then um, I'm going to always go there, this side of the grave, but I find my way out often within an hour and I smite my own forehead and I go, oh my God, that's that was my family of origin. That was the original base camp. And I don't live at that base camp anymore, mm. but I stopped by. And, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you this, my dad died when I was 25. So mm-hmm. that's 34 years ago. And um, and on Monday was his 90th birthday. Mm. And you know what? I I just miss him. I would love to have a dad.
1: Yeah. And
4: um, other people have dads that are really well. Most dads at 90 are, are a handful or they're in a home or it's heartbreaking or whatever. But other people have wonderful dads, and, and they're just as brilliant, as hilarious as they ever were, and handsome. And and um and I don't grieve it. It's not like it's acute, but it's outside of the space time continuum, like grief is. Yeah. And so I got to go to the great left wing anti racist church, Arlington Street Church on um on the Boston Common for my dad's birthday. I went way, 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 way to the very top part of the tower with a Roving left wing problem making (laughs) minister, um, George, and he played happy birthday to my dad on the ancient New England pipes on the bells. He played happy birthday to my dad, and I just, and then the next day, then for my birthday, Oh, and then the same day in Boston, I got to go to the Anthonyum, that two trillion year old library, and I found a a library card for my granddad's book from the 20s, one of those hand filled out papers. And then, I mean, it's like so not Mm -hmm. what people are telling you is true. It's outside of time and space because it's spirit and it's truth and it's, it's like much trippier than we're supposed to have noticed. (laughs) And so I loved it. It was my, and then yesterday was my birthday and I got to go with my dad and my other dad who was his best friend uh, who first took me to the metropolitan in New York and wander around the old masters for, Mm. for two hours. So if anybody wants to tell me that's not the way it is and that grief should take this much and you should definitely be over it. And you really, they really don't come back in this and that. I just say thank you so much for sharing and you get to think whatever you think.
0: (laughs) Of course, exactly. Yes. Yes. That's, that is so true. You get to think whatever you think. Uh,
4: everyone does.
0: Yeah, everyone does, and it's everyone does. And it's so Grandpa interesting.
4: Rand does. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it's so interesting these days. You know, with the um, the whole um, like new atheist movement. You know, and and how like suddenly I'm feeling like there's um, I I, f- I feel like it's like 1950s again. It's the McCarthy era, and I'm not allowed to let people know that I have weird experiences like that. And that when I went to light a candle in Saint Patrick's Cathedral the month after my dad died, um and I lit a candle for him, and the minute the, the match touched the candle, um, the pipe organ uh made this uh-huh. huge noise in the cathedral.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> isn't it I know, it's so Trippy, it's uh, but you know. <laughs> but who knows, right? I, I think atheism is so it's it's so wonderful until it becomes fundamentalist atheism yes, I mean, yes. people need to browbeat you and try to get you to see the error of your ways. Yeah. Whereas I have never once tried to get anybody over to my side. You yeah.
0: know? Yeah. I'm not trying to
4: get people to sign on the dotted line. I'm just sharing my version of things. Exactly. Which is that mm. I love that bumper sticker that says we're not humans having a spiritual experience; we're spiritual beings having a human experience. <laughs> and I. I am into humanism and i am into civil rights and i am into taking care of the underdog and i see it in a kind of a jesusy context you if you want to be with jesus you go to where the poorest of the poor are and you do what you can Mm -hmm. and you sit down and you keep people company and you share what food whatever food you brought you share and then you're going to feel experience grace and i don't care if people don't feel that it's none of my business yeah and um and then, that the fundamentalist atheists are as da- dangerous as the fundamentalist Christians. I just say, look, thank you all for sharing. I'm going to, what I thought as a child, I'm going to go read now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm
0: gonna go read now. Yes.
4: God, I love that. I just love that. The new
0: tagline. Yes.
4: <laughs>
0: you people do what you need to do. I'll be in the other room with a book.
4: <laughs> I've got a chapter book. I used to say, when I was five, I'm in the middle of a chapter book. And now I'm still saying I'm fifty nine. You know, I might have the new Barbara King Solver, but I have to go now. I'm in the middle in the middle of a new chapter book.
0: And and and, and what are you reading right now? What is what are you toting around and, and deep into?
4: Well, I'm um, deep into a book I got at the airport. <laughs> I'm for 10 days. So nice. it's a novel called, it's supposed to be the new Gone Girl, but I thought the, gone, the old Gone girl, girl wasn't quite the Gone Girl that I had been led to believe it was. And so this one is called Reconstructing Amelia, and it's fine. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's very readable. Mm. I'm reading that, but I'll tell you, the book I'm still foisting on people just everywhere is Catherine Boo's book from last year, Beyond the Beautiful Forever. Because, you know, there's that long section in some assembly required about me in India, sort of, you know, with my tiny control issues, thinking (laughs) I can help people get a little bit more organized and more attentive to personal hygiene and, um, people in India being about as interested in my ideas as my son is. But, um, I love Beyond the Beautiful Forever. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a just about the best book of last year.
0: Oh, cool! You know what? I'm going to pick yeah. it up and I will. I will check it out.
4: That's... Oh, I will stake my reputation on it, Kelly. You will love it. Oh, fantastic! It will widen and deepen you. It'll soften your heart like mm. meat tenderized. So, like all good books do, yes. it will open you and soften you and blow your mind. Oh, oh! Okay. I mean heaven,
0: right? Yeah. Yes, exactly, absolutely. All right, just we have two more minutes. One last question. Okay. Want to know, Want to know your take on the new pope?
4: Oh, the new pope. Well, you know, I did have tiny. I, I um, I'm saying this observationally, not in judgment. But Joseph the Rat Ratzinger, I thought, was not an ideal choice for the last <laughs> papacy, and um, and so with this one, I'm sure that it will. There will just be a horrific and continued assault on the rights of women, Mm
0: -hmm. and that will
4: be very, very, very destructive to the entire earth. And uh, But at the same time, he's washing women's feet. I know. Noting, I'm noticing that he's washing the feet of a Muslim woman, and I'm noticing that, and that's very, very profound. And so I'm just walking along, humming and not making (laughs) a lot of comments, that if some man, a man of power, is going to wash a woman's feet, yeah. Well, I'm in. Uh,
0: yes, and if he could do her nails a nice color, also it would be. Yeah, it would be
4: right, perfect. Right. Put a little <laughs> lotion on them after they're clean. Exactly. And in the meantime, we do that for ourselves. We wash our own feet. We put a little lotion on them. We bless them, mm. and we go on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that.
4: Yes, Kelly, I just love you. You're like my big super Spider-Man girl. And I always, always want to talk to you. So um, I'm just here if you need me or if you summon me, I will be here.
0: Thank you so much, Anne. It's always, always a pleasure. And, uh, this was great today. I, I feel like uh I, I feel like I've landed on the earth a bit this morning more. So Oh good. Yeah.
4: Thank you. We'll, we'll just stick together and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Absolutely. You have a great rest of your book tour and uh and I can't wait for you to come back to California.
4: Me too. <laughs> bye okay. bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Uh Big Super Spider-Man Girl. Hello. Ha ha. I'm getting that on my getting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Oh, that is so exciting. That was so much fun. Uh, love that conversation. And, uh, she, you know, she's she's so fantastic. Uh, I wanted to mention that um, uh, this uh, podcast is uh, sustained by um, – uh, the wings of Kevin Smith and uh listeners like you. And I wanted to thank and put a shout out to uh, Smod Squatter. That's his name on Twitter, Calgary Steve. Uh, he sent a very, very generous check a few weeks ago to support this podcast. And I, I just wanted to thank him out loud here and wanted to let you know that if you enjoy the work we do here, you can go to my website, kellycarlin.com and, and go to the Waking American Dream tab and you'll see a PayPal button and you can just Push on that, and uh, send us some money. Uh, that would be that would be lovely. We would have so appreciate that because we know then that uh, people are hearing us, listening, uh, loving it, and uh, are here to support independent thought and independent media. Uh, we don't have any sponsors. We haven't gotten our shit together enough to have sponsors yet. Someday we will. Someday we will, uh, but not yet. Uh, so we are uh, self-sustaining in that way. And uh, and a couple of people called in during the Anne Lamott uh, interview, and I hope they call back. The number here to call is 323-473-3112. I'm assuming that we are live right now and that the 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 the, the uh, stream is going well. Uh, if someone could let me know on Twitter if we're actually up and running. Um and oh Maddie, hey Maddie in Sea Town, call us. Give us a call. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet you back right now. Uh he was like, hey, you're breaking my balls, What, I can't talk to you right now. It was hysterical. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm I i do not break men's balls. Uh it's not something I, I'm interested in doing. Uh I'm just merely uh there's 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 something playing and no one will hear you if I talk to you right now. So uh Maddie, Maddie in Seatown Town. That must be Chicago town, I'm guessing, right? Chicago, you know, or it could be Chattanooga. But I don't think they call it Seatown town in Chattanooga. I'm guessing they don't. Anyway, the number is 323-473-3112. Uh, three, 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 one, one, uh, so uh, I'm just, you know, waiting for call. I would love to chat with anybody. Anything you want to talk about, questions, uh, thoughts about things, uh, a complaint about the universe. Although you can't really complain to the universe because, you know, um, I don't think the universe gives a shit. <laughs> Personally, that's kind of what I've gathered from it. It's gonna do what it's fucking wants to do. You know what I mean? Oh, here, so We got a caller. Someone's calling in. Hello, welcome to Waking from the American Dream. This is Kelly Carlin. Who am I speaking to? My name is Matt. Hey, Maddie, is this Maddie from Sea Town? It is. You just tweeted me to call, so I
5: decided to do it.
0: Oh, you're awesome. And what? And this would be uh, the town of Chicago. Is the sea?
5: No, no, no. Well, the, Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland. I wish, I wish it was Chicago.
0: Oh, now, now, now. Let's not give Cleveland a bad name. I was born in Dayton, Ohio. My mother was born and raised in Dayton. So, Ohio rocks, okay. It's
5: it's not that bad. The weather, <laughs> that's really the only thing.
0: The weather? Is it still winter there?
5: Um, Yeah. Eh. It kind of stopped the winter, but it's just raining all the time. Oh. So.
0: so it's not quite spring yet. It hasn't made the big fantastic exaltational leap into spring.
5: There is some joke that everyone posts on Facebook that there's I can't even remember what it is. It's there's three joke there's three seasons in Cleveland raining, raining, snowing road construction or something like that. I can't remember the exact <laughs> thing, but it, it's really true.
0: I get it. I totally get it. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's there's I go to uh, the UK a lot. And uh, they say in the UK, uh, welcome to summer. Uh, you know, it's it's. I think summer lasts two days or something like that there. Um, so <laughs> um, you had you wanted to call in and talk? Is there anything in particular you want to chat about or questions or any thoughts you have about the universe?
5: thoughts i have about the universe wow that is thought-provoking thank you Uh, no sadly i'm just a fanboy um your your father had a a very profound effect on my life and i heard you on jay moore's podcast Uh and i've i've listened to some episodes of your own podcast and i think i've heard you on a couple of other podcasts
0: probably because you know we're all podcast whores around here (laughs)
5: I have a a very boring Joe job, but fortunately it affords me the opportunity to not deal with people very often and just listen to
2: podcasts oh,
0: all day long. Fantastic. So. That's great. That's great. So how did my dad impact you? What was the impact he had on you?
5: Um oh, How I I've, I've only ever made a phone call into radio shows before. And they try to keep you in like a minute long window. And
0: (laughs) you're afraid I'm going to cut you off. To explain (laughs) that
5: it's going to run way over. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, how much do you want?
0: (laughs) Give me the um, the five to ten sentence version.
5: The bullet points.
0: Yeah. There you go.
5: Uh, I found your father when I was kind of going through that teenage ennui kind of phase,
0: mm-hmm. you
5: know, where you're just kind of unhappy with everything. Yep. And he was the first person in the public eye that I saw that was like, you know, it's okay to feel this way. Like lots of people feel this way and you're not like, you're not a weirdo for it.
1: Like
2: mm-hmm.
5: it's it's mm-hmm. totally fine. Yes. And you can, you can question things and, Yada
0: yada. Yeah, yeah. You know, I All think right. I, I think that's it's um, it's really interesting because I, I hear that a lot from people that he helped awaken or let people know that they weren't alone out there and that maybe exactly in, yeah maybe in their family or their particular town they live in that they felt like they were having these thoughts in secret and that they therefore may be crazy because they didn't see anyone else having them out loud. And then here comes this man on a record or an HBO show, and he's saying the very things we've been thinking all along.
2: I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Ah, beautiful. Well, you know, I'm, a- I'm hoping he's has inspired you to not only think your thoughts, but to actually share them with the world, because you know what? There are plenty of people who are thinking these thoughts, and um, we all need to remind each other that we're here for each other.
5: Definitely. Uh, but the question I had for you, yes. Um, it, it seems a lot like from what we see through the media and whatnot, that that famous people who have children the children are just a total mess. (laughs) And, like, especially someone as um, polarizing as your father. Yes. Like, you seem remarkably (laughs) well-adjusted. Like, I've been following you on Twitter for, like, eight months. Like, (laughs) I've, like I said, I've heard you on podcasts and you seem totally Like a normal
0: person. Ah, well, you know what? I had my, I had my day, certainly. I, um, you know, in my twenties, I was a wreck, an absolute and total wreck. I was married to an older man doing too many drugs. I was, had panic attack disorder. I could barely function. I couldn't hold down a job. I was dependent on my parents for everything, um, you know, I was definitely the Hollywood version of fucked up in many ways. And um, but, you know, I was lucky I had good foundation. I had a lot of love in my family, even though there was a lot of chaos when I was a kid. And so, you know, I got the fucked up part. But the, the cool thing was, is that I went and I did the work and really did the work and the deep work that it takes to heal And, um, and I healed myself and, and, you know, I'm not saying I'm fucking perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel really, really (laughs) blessed that, um, that I did the work for myself and that I can be here now and, 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 you know, and operate in the world in a way that makes me look rather sane. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Matt. And, um, and thank you for calling. I've got some other people calling in, so I don't want to cut you off too much. But I do really appreciate you calling and checking in. And, um, I, you know, I'll see you on the Twitter later tonight, probably. Let's hang out a little bit.
5: I'm on the East Coast. I got to go to bed early, but I will send you a couple of tweets before I go. Thank you so
0: much. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for calling. And you have a beautiful weekend.
5: You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Oh, wasn't that nice? See, you now, this is so this is so fabulous, because this is what I think I do, a lot of the work I do, is because people think, like, oh, she's so normal, and she's got her shit together, and <laughs> I really don't. Hi, welcome to Waking from the American Dream. This is Kelly Carlin. Who is this?
2: Hi, Kelly Carlin. This is Dan Pasternak calling from Sweden.
0: <gasps> Dan Pasternak calling from Sweden. Hey, everyone. This is the fabulous Dan Pasternak, who, uh, oh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, comedy uh, comedy mind extraordinaire, a man who is shaping the very shows you see on IFC and uh, and is, strangely, has traveled to Sweden and is willing to call us. What the fuck time is it in Sweden? It's 3.07 a.m., but, you know, you know who's, who's, who's coming? <laughs> Hi, honey. Welcome to the show.
2: Well, you know, I'm awake. I'm in a very small hotel room. I'm crazy jet lagged, and, uh, you know, I'm checking my friend's Twitter feed. I'm like, oh, look, Kelly has tweeted this number 43 times. You know, I I can take a hint.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Because the thing I fear the most is sitting here, Logan and I sitting here going, wow, no one's calling. What else should we talk about right now? Uh So this is so cool. I'm so glad you called Dan. Um, yeah, Sweden, I've been there because and I know the hotel rooms are small, because even though your hotel room is small, I bet you it's costing you about $900 a night. <laughs>
2: Well, fortunately, IFC is paid, so... Uh, again, well done.
0: <laughs> well done. What are you doing in Sweden? Can you share?
2: Uh, I can, actually, because we literally just announced uh, our uh, development slate yesterday. So there was a big piece in The Hollywood Reporter that got picked up everywhere. And uh, I'm shooting a pilot right now with uh, Michael Blyden and Eric Legend, Um former writers and writer-director from Late Night with Jimmy Fallon called International Plan.
0: Wow. That is very, it's, very cool.
2: It's really cool. It's it's based on their real friendship and a real uh, a series of adventures they went on. Uh, Blyden, uh, who's a, an old dear friend, uh, started telling me stories of uh, after his divorce, all these trips that he and his friend and coworker worker uh, Eric Legend would take, going to beautiful places, looking to meet beautiful women. And every one of these stories was so fun and funny and also profound and personal. I said, you know, this sounds like an episode of a TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's a show about two guys who go on a trip uh, as they're getting out of relationships and then decide to not go home.
0: Wow. Oh, I love it. I love it. This is, this is great. So you're, you're shooting the the pilot. So you're in Sweden. So are you, wow. Um, so are they going to travel around the world and you're going to like shoot all of this wherever the hell they go?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, should the show go to series, it will go, yeah, just that, around oh, the world. Very fun. <laughs> so, I mean, it's two really fun Sensitive, but you know, you know, very real guys having you know these great adventures in beautiful places and meeting you know gorgeous women. It's a total fantasy, you know. Uh, I, uh, you know, I decided to tag along and come to Stockholm <laughs> for the pilot.
0: Yes, we won't mention that you've left your family behind. <laughs>
2: I know I left. I left my wife and my daughter and John Benet all back
0: in New York. <laughs> and John Benet, yes, John Benet. We're speaking of is a fabulous doll that his daughter has. It that's a whole other story. But you know what I love, Dan, is that um, you know comedy is. What do you think about happening in comedy right now? Because you know I, I think about just the slate you guys have going, like the new Mark Marin show you've got on there, and then you're talking about this one, and there's something about raw and real that comes with the funny that. Is I think is finally, it's a strange phrase to use, being taken seriously in comedy.
2: Yeah, I think that we're actually in a, in a beautiful era where, you know, there had been a time where there were really only sort of like beacons of light that represented what people would have, I think, termed as art in the art form of comedy. Your dad absolutely was a, a pillar of that. But now I think that there's a, a much more widespread understanding and acceptance of comedy as an art form. Mm. And people see shows like Louis or Girls or Portlandia as as you know artfully made shows, as pieces of art themselves. And that's such an exciting thing for me as someone who's spent the better part of his life inside this art form knowing that now outside of the community of artists there's an audience that understands it as an art form oh, i just yeah. i can't tell you how exciting that is for me
0: yeah god you uh, yeah, that is so so well put and certainly you know having been a friend of and and been hanging out with Paul Provenza the last four years and you know how he lives and breathes that um and really seeing it from the inside myself now because I mean even growing up I, I didn't really get it in that way but yeah seeing that and and for people like myself it's an exciting time because now I feel like there's a place for us because there are so many voices in this thing and it's such a full range of what you know can can be comedic or can be comedy and there's so much there's there's room for so much heart here and and i always felt you know that i was going to be maybe shut out because i had a lot of heart and soul to bring and and some funny to bring too but didn't know if it had a place and so it just feels like a nice big warm pool that i can dive into and there's room for all of us
2: well there's of pools. There's that's the thing is that there's so many pools now. It's not like mm. you know, when we were growing up and there were you know, just a handful of movies that came out in three broadcast networks and that was it. Yep. I mean, yes, Kelly, you completely distinguished from your dad are your own artist. Yep. And an artist that has enormous depth and heart and soul. And your one woman show to me is just a beautiful piece of art. And it's you putting your heart and your funny and your voice out there in a way that I think audiences are ready for because, yeah. you know, storytelling shows exist now and different kinds of stand up showcases exist and podcasts and things that are, you know, you know. Uh, videos online and, 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 and just an array of platforms across television and now Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all of these places <laughs> yeah. where, you know, you uh, sent me a piece years ago when I was still living in Atlanta. About oh please remind me of it. It was about finding your tribe and how th- that's really the goal inside of entertainment media now. About yes. how the goal is to find your tribe.
3: Yes.
0: Me, who
2: was the the author of the
0: piece? You know, I don't. I do not remember. I I will have to look it into my look into my computer and and dig that down. But um,
2: yeah, but it was something you sent me, and I thought it, uh, it was so resonant and yeah. so right, and I just love that. I love that you found your tribe.
0: I know there's a tribe for me. I feel like Sally Field.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Your tribe and your tribe is—you know—it's it's, it's all just It's like a Venn diagram. You can see how it's it intersects so
0: true. Dad, I love that. But it's yeah.
2: But it also goes into all of these other places. And, yeah. Um, I'm just so incredibly proud of you, and I just I'm I'm so grateful that I've got to come with you on this journey, you know, pretty much from from the outset yeah. it's been just a, a thing of beauty to watch so oh, really to.
0: thank you Dan and uh, you know you've been you've been a beacon for me too and and my life coach at times Dan you know calls me up is like what do you want to do and I tell him and he's like okay great you're going to do that now okay <laughs> <laughs> and I do because I do whatever Dan tells me to do uh, so Dan thank you so much for calling in and I'm so excited and everyone you guys you know if you don't watch IFC fuck you you need to fucking be watching it because it gotta amazing shit on it and portlandia is oh my god it's crazy genius fucking roseanne was on it was fucking hysterical oh my god it was so brilliant this oh, season thank you and,
2: and our animated show out there is on right now and that's i mean speaking of shows with heart it mm-hmm. really it's, a, it's such a beautiful lovely show and um it's friday nights at 10 on ifc uh, getting a little plug in get a little plug in uh, absolutely voice yes is uh, Nick Nick Offerman, who plays Linda Cardellini's dad, this week, and the next week is our season finale with the uh, the uh, yearbook trio played by Sarah Silverman, Ellen Page, and Jason Schwartzman.
0: Oh, fucking a! Awesome. Okay, everyone. It's
2: so good. All right. It's really so, so
0: good. I have not checked it out, but I'm going to check it out now, darling. Thank you for that. And uh, I love you and have fun in Sweden. And uh, beware of the gods and goddesses there. They're walking up and down the street. Jesus, the people are gorgeous there. It pisses me off. And there's
2: sin. I have never fought with such a fat (laughs) turd in my entire life. It's horrifying. Hysterical.
0: All right. Love you, Mr. Dan Pasternak.
2: Love
0: you, Kelly Carlin. Bye. Okay, how fucking cool was that? Mr. fucking Dan Pasternak, who runs the comedy division of IFC, just called from Sweden because he's there shooting a pilot. And he's a friend of mine. Love him. Love him. A ton of people have called while I was on with Dan. And like Steve Hicks called. And oh, here's another friend. Hey, this is Waking from the American Dream, Kelly Carlin. Who am I speaking to?
5: It's Paul Myers in Berkeley.
0: Hey, Paul Myers in Berkeley. This is like, I feel like I'm having a pajama party and all my friends are dropping by.
5: Well, it's so funny, because I was, I was going to call, and then the minute I started dialing originally, Dan Passenack came on. Yes. And I, I, I just, like, the, the, uh, <laughs> back the – I can say, here, back the fuck off, because <laughs> cause I know that that guy – can I just say – and I'm not, I'm not kissing ass at all, because I, I got nothing to sell him, but, uh, at least right now. Today. But anyway, <laughs> i got nothing to sell him. Everyone's got something to sell. Okay. But I, got, I just want to say that I was I was at something. It was like a Portlandia thing, and I was at it was in San Francisco. And he was there, and I didn't know who he was, but they referred to him, mm. and they pointed to him, and I said, "Are you the guy who who brought Portlandia to IFC?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he's so humble. Yes. And he's so cool. And I just tweeted this actually. The guy just oozes passion for comedy. I immediately felt safe around him. I I also thought, God bless him. People probably hit on him for his shows and stuff all the time. But he's doing so much good bringing some really good comedy to the, to the TV, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I'm really not selling him anything. And just the, the way he's helped you and then you're talking to him and, and I just thought you've helped me. And it's just it's, – it's a love fest, I it's, tell you.
0: You know what? It's the tribe thing. We help our tribe out. So that's what we do. We're part of the Venn diagram of each other, our little crossover Venn diagram. Um, how are you today up in the Berkeley? You're you're like on your way down to L.A. Wait, aren't you supposed yeah, to be here? Yeah, I'm actually
5: driving down to L.A. Lisa and I are driving down tomorrow oh, cool. and uh, we're going to do the Highway 5 thing. And, uh, that's when you go past Kauschwitz. Kauschwitz, uh, yes. Oh my uh-huh. god, especially <laughs> when the weather's turning, it's the worst. Oh. And it's, it, it really, every time it makes me investigate, it makes me re-examine my, uh, my, uh, any time I've eaten steaks or hamburgers yes. because when you know where it comes from, oh my god, yeah. it's the worst.
0: And even if they're dairy cows, I mean, it's just, it's still bad. It's like, really, this is yeah. this is what, what what we do to get our milk or to get our chocolate milk lattes.
5: I think it's just bleak, is what it is. You know, <laughs> like we used to stop at In-N-Out Burger on the way. Unfortunately, In-N-Out you know, Burger is at Kettleman City, which <laughs> just passed there, and like we just can't do it now. Exactly. Like, eat, you know, and like I don't know, it's just. It, but I mean, we do eat burgers and we do eat steaks, but we usually like let the amnesia. Can in first you know there's like a a waiting period where you have like it's like a cooling off in fact it takes I take more time to not eat a burger after passing Couchwitz than it takes to buy a gun there you go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the cooling off, the, the meat cooling off period. The meat period.
6: cooling
0: off period, yes. You I, know, I, and, you know, if
5: take away burgers from me, only uh, bad guys will have burgers. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, can I just also say that I was really excited to hear uh, you talk, your earlier interview, because that's, oh my God, Anne, Anne Lamott. Uh, is it Annie or Anne? Like I it's sure Anne, Anne,
0: Anne, yeah. Yeah, some people
5: call her Annie and I stuck in my head. and um, But Anne Lamott, oh my God. Talk about um, what's the word for that? It's like backdoor wisdom or something. It's like she's yeah. she's not pretentious in the slightest, and yet it's all so heavy. Yep, everything's so heavy, but it's like kind of like you don't need a coaster with this philosophy, you know? Just leave a ring on the table. That's what they're there for,
1: you know? You
0: <laughs> yeah, know what she, I mean? she slips awful. it in. She slips it in in a way that you're like, all of a sudden, you're having a profound moment. And she was just talking about being wretched to her child or something, you know? I mean, truly, yeah, yeah, yeah Still she, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah,
5: phone click, phone click for a second. Hey, can I just say that? Yeah, like I mean, without sharing too much, like because this is public, I just want, to, like, you know, I've had things where I'm wounding and I felt like really damaged. But when I hear other people talk about it, this is the other function you serve, Kelly, and 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 people like Anne, and and it's 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 something about rec- recognizing that. Like to live is to be slightly damaged,
3: mm-hmm. you know what I mean yes, and that
5: you' like that's probably why those zombie shows are so popular. I mean, everyone's kind of a little bit walking dead a little bit, yeah, like, you know that's but, a, and refusing to die. that's a good
0: theory. <laughs> I've been really wondering about the kind of the collective, unconscious, archetypal need of the zombie in our culture right now and and you're right, I think everyone is feeling a little walking dead and and yeah, you know, this whole idea of this concept of perfectionism, which I certainly have talked about on this show before, is just, it's so damaging, because it's so unrealistic. It just does not happen. There's nothing perfect about anything. And we are all so damaged. And... um and thank God we can talk about it now. Like it's not the '50s. Like no, no wonder Don Draper drinks so much. <laughs> oh,
5: my God. <laughs> I know it's it's crazy, right? And then, um, yeah. The other thing about it with me, I can't watch zombie shows, and I and either can grab, I can't do grab it. vampire shows. I think because they're too close to home. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like okay, I, I prefer a little distance in my metaphor, you know. But anyway, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, no, but it's it's true. It's it. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, I mean, I'm not the first person to suggest that there's some kind of collective unconscious at work there. I mean, it's been yeah. really out of my uh, out of my pay grade as a music journalist and musician to to know what that is. But yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So well, how are you anyway? How, how's things? You got a lot going on.
0: Things are good. Things are good. Busy, busy. Off to Dallas next week actually to do my show for a benefit for a really cool charter school called the Winfrey Academy. It's actually a group of charter schools that my, my good friend works for their foundation now. So I'm taking a Carlin home companion to Dallas, Fort Worth area. And, um, at the Irving Art Center, actually Thursday night, and I keep telling her so everyone knows it's R rated, right? Because I don't want any Christians freaking out in the audience. Because uh-huh. I, yeah, you know, I think the first line I say has got the word fuck in it or something. I guess it's my dad does for sure, uh, but yeah, but things are good. Yeah, things are really good, and um, and yeah, I got a busy weekend ahead, things to do. So you know, things things are wonderful, and uh, and uh, that's that's it, and. You know what? It's getting close to having to end my show here, and like twenty-five people called, and I could not get hey, to everybody. I'm going to
5: open up the airways if you need it, or just let you do what you do. But I just wanted to say hi, and just say that I really did feel something from uh, both of those those uh, things that I happened to catch.
0: Beautiful, thank you, Paul.
5: And and uh, and we'll see you. Uh, I think I'll see you Saturday if you're still still on.
0: Absolutely, and every, okay. and everyone we'll follow Paul on Twitter. He's pull my ears. P U L M Y e a r s
5: yes one l one thank, l thank you very much kelly thanks for that plug anyway you, um and we'll i'll be keep listening bye okay.
0: bye sweetie bye all right we're gonna take one more call really really quick here we go hello this is kelly carlin welcome to waking from the american dream we have oh like mm, two minutes who's this Hi, it's Lisa Orkin. Hey, Lisa Orkin. Wow. I'm getting all sorts of fabulous people calling in. Damn, Lisa. I wish my <laughs> show was another half hour so we could talk some more. I've been like on, I'm... on the line with a couple of people and people like calling and calling. And, and I thought, well, I'll just take one more. How are you today? What's up? What is, what is the one minute, one and a half minute bit of wisdom or sharing that you have for this wonderful audience today?
7: Um, I would say that my weekend was filled with um, furry handcuffs and sassafras tea. And I don't know if I'd advise that for anyone else, but it gave me greater learning about myself.
0: Wow. Uh, the combination <laughs> of furry handcuffs with sassafras tea. First of all, A, I did not know saf- sassafras could be turned into tea. Um, yeah, it's great. It's Oh, okay, Carmel, and then furry handcuffs. Um, I, I, I don't even know what to say about that. You
4: know, breakup sex,
7: a bad idea.
0: Oh yeah, yeah,
7: yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Right.
0: It's not. You know what? It's um. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like that little bit of cocaine that's left in the little package, you know, and you think to yourself, I'm not going to do it. It's just there. I should just toss it because boy, I've already been up for three nights and I've binged and I really don't need to do anymore. And then you, that little voice says, yeah, but you know, there's just that little bit, you should just go ahead and do it. And then you do it. And then the next thing you know, you're fucking calling the Coke dealer again.
7: Yeah. So I'm not you know what, I think I'm good actually. I think that solved it. I think that was my you know, that was my moment. I had some fast rest tea in Carmel and decided I'm <laughs> back in LA.
0: <laughs> there you go. absolutely fucking yeah. lately. Awesome. Uh, yeah. that is that is fabulous. And and um and I hope you'll be enlightening uh your followers and fans with with this new wisdom you have about this because you've got um You've got a new little like web series going on or something about relationships and life and stuff. I
7: do. I do. It's called Honestly Lisa. And it's about, it's with Robbie Riss, who some of you might know from the Brady Bunch, who was Oliver, but we, he plays every man in my life. (laughs) That's fantastic. And, um, and we do little snippets of conversations from my relationships through the last, you know, 30 years, I guess, you Uh. know, and, um, you know, he plays husbands, boyfriends, bad dates. And so, yeah, it's at honestlylisa.com. And oh. that's sort of the new thing. And Robbie is actually together. We've been on radio probably hundreds of times playing mm. boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. So it was just a normal thing to go, hey, Robbie.
0: Yes, of course.
7: You want Yeah, he's my mate forever, yes, Robbie. Yes, so.
0: he's your He's your mate in the media. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's... an
7: amazing musician, too. But yeah, wow. awesome guy.
0: Great. That's great to know. Little Oliver from the Brady Bunch. I'm picturing him right now with those big round glasses and that little blonde haircut right yeah. now. Just want to squeeze yeah. his cheeks. Very cute. <laughs> well, thanks for calling, darling. We have to go. But love you. Okay. And uh, I love you, too. And see you soon. Okay. Bye, honey. Bye, honey. Good night. Good night. Well, everyone, that was just a chock full show, chock full of people. Thank you all for calling. Thank you for the calling. And you didn't get through. I am so sorry. Uh, We will do this again. I mean, you know, I'm excited. I, I did this like, I don't know, four months ago or something, and we had a great time and I just forgot about it. So I promise next time we'll do a whole 90 minutes of call in stuff. And we'll do it in May sometime. We'll open up a, a, a show for that. And um, next week, I don't have a show because I will be in Dallas. Like I said, I'll be at the Irving Art Center on Thursday, April 18th, doing a Carlin Home Companion. So if you know anyone in the I think they call it the Tri-City area, something like that. It's, you know, there's a bunch of different, uh, cities in that area. Uh, come on down, come on down and visit the Carlins and we'll take you through the roller coaster ride of my life. Uh, you'll love it. Trust me. Ask Kevin Smith about the show he'll tell you all about it uh so anyway i want to thank logan for being here today thank you logan we didn't even get a chance to talk logan really i mean
1: i know it but the mic's here
0: the mic is there it is there for him in case of an emergency you know i mean if if anything in these happens logan is there for us and thank you all who called dan and and lisa and paul and matt from sea town cleveland where they still don't have spring i guess they're heading into road construction season it sounds like um and I want to thank Anne Lamotte and thank everyone at Smodcast, um, Will Wilkins and Kevin Smith, of course, and uh, visit me at www.kellycarlin.com. Find me on Twitter, Kelly underscore Carlin. Find Logan at Logan Heftel, everything. Find me on Facebook and, um, and come donate. Donate to us. We will, you know, money does go to places that are, are needed to put it. Oh, you know what it is. It's life. You need money for life. God bless you all. Whatever God is, right? Like Anne Lamott says, I'm not here to push things on you. I like the good orderly direction version of God. That's the big electron. That's what I was taught. Anyway, have a great show. Uh, we're going to go out with a song. Uh, who are we going out with? Can't remember. Oh, yes. We're going out with Logan and Dan Byrne's song.
1: Almost Dan Byrne. This is Eric Cuff's oh, who's shit. in Dan Byrne's band. Oh, okay.
0: That's I've, what it was. I've
1: done this show top tune a couple of times and uh, I was paired with Dan Byrne. But the last time I did it, I was paired with Eric Cuff's who works with Dan Bernard. And this is what
0: you came up this with. This is
1: what we wrote. The title that they prompted us with was Met Her at the 99 Cent Store. Yeah,
0: they wrote this in 16 minutes or something. They, they made it a little nicer in the studio, but this is basically what they wrote. Everyone have a great two weeks. We'll see you then.
1: Her name was Lucia. She was shopping for her children. She was looking for a sweater She was very far from home She'd taken the bus Down from Alhambra She looked lost She looked lost For now Waiting under bad light Standing in my line Where I was checking her out Thinking in a moment she'll be leaving If I say something She might smile before she goes Her name was Lucia She was saving for her future She was buying a sweater She looked lost For now Waiting under bad light Standing in my line Where I was checking her out Thinking In a moment, she'll be leaving. If I say something, she might smile before she goes.
6: Mites, it's Fat Kev Smith. Uh, hey, man, it's Kev again, begging you for money. God damn it. Can I have a loan? It's not even a loan. Give me money for free that I never intend to pay back. That's what we call ads here on uh, Smodcast.com, man. Uh, we send you to see Smod, to see live shows, and uh, what you pay to see in the live show. Why, that helps uh, fund our entire Smodco empire, man. That's how you get those Smodcasts for free, man, the sweet arl that makes your fucking mind-gasm ear pussy looking good. You buy tickets to live shows, man. That's how you get all the free podcasts. If we're near you, check us out. For example, April 13th, me and Ralph Garman gonna be down there in Long Beach, California, man, doing uh, the Laugh Factor again. We had a blast last time. Sold-out show. Be nice to be able to go back, sell it out again. 10 p.m. April 13th, man. So, go to ceasemod.com get tickets for that shit me and Ralph gonna be right there in Long Beach on a Saturday night coming up on the heels of that man a couple weeks later April 27th Chicago don't forget I'm gonna be there for C2E2 my panel sold out but the event is still going on there's you can still get into C2E2 itself and man you want to get there man Chicago's premier comic book convention check this out St. Louis me and Brian Johnson coming your way May 18th that's right we had a Jay and Silent Bob super groovy cartoon movie date in St. Louis on May 18th. It sold out. So we added a late night show, man, 1130 on May 18th at Blueberry Hills. It's going to be me and Bri Johnson doing Why in St. Louis, man. So if you missed out on tickets for uh, Jay and Silly Bob's uh, super groovy cartoon, whatever the fuck, then pick up some tickets for Why bri man. Comic Book Men's Bri Johnson can be right there. Comic Book Men's uh, Fat Kev Smith. That's Saturday night right there in St. Louis, May 18th, 1130 at night. If you're going to the Jay and Silent Bob Super Groovy Cartoon Movie Screening and then uh, Jay and Silent Bob Good Old Podcast afterwards, why then when we're done, we just crossed uh, a couple streets, man. We go to Blueberry Hill right there in St. Louis. Mo. Oh, me and Brian Johnson doing why Bride? But speaking of this year's biggest SMODCO tour, man, it's right, it's Jay and Silent Bob Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. And it's about to start April 20th, man, 420. Not very subtle. We kick off the tour in Atlanta, Georgia. Beep that, man. Atlanta, Georgia at the center stage. April 20th. Tickets for this and all Smodco shows at csmod.com, S-E-E-S-M-O-D.com. April 21st, we're in Washington, D.C. at the Warner Theater. April 22nd, we're in Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall. April 23rd, we're in New York City at the Best Buy Theater. April 24th, we're in Boston, Massachusetts. And then at the house of blues and then Glenside, Pennsylvania is April 25th, the day of my anniversary with Jennifer Schwabach, uh, at the Keswick Theater, man. So that's the East Coast leg of the tour. Uh, the first leg, if you will, scoop up tickets, uh, now me and Jay going to be there, to show you the movie. The movie is funny as fuck, man. Iron Line is so fucking good. And then afterwards, Jay and Sol and Bob get old podcasts. Uh, that you'll all be a part of, because it's going to be a Q&A version, so everyone's asking questions and shit. And we'll play Let Us Fuck and find out how long Jay's been sober and all that good stuff, man. But come on to the tour, man. Come on and come all over its face, neck, and fucking chest. Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie, Me and Muse, live, right there in your hometown. Tickets at com slash groovy movie, or just go to ceasemod.com. Uh And now enough whoring. Uh, how about we jump into another... Delightful Smodco podcast. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.